All right, Lord help, right? Well, we've had a couple weeks where y'all didn't listen to me. Um, But we did have some good messages those two weeks, I thought. You know what real freedom is, y'all? Well, one aspect of real freedom is not being bound by everybody else's opinions. You know, just being free. I've realized in my life that I have, I have uh, made people so angry on both sides of the fence. You know, in other words, I've made real right, real conservative people angry, and I've made real non-liberal people angry. They, I can't say anything for any of them to like me, but I've gotten where I don't care. <laughs> I'm free. You know, I am just free. I just feel free of all that because the fear of man, the opinion of man, all that is such a snare, isn't it? This, we just need to live free in the Lord, you know, and, and let the Lord be the one who's pleased with what we think and believe and all that. If we just do that, we'll just be awesome. And I'm, I'm learning how to do that. Are you? Yeah. All right, I just need you to help me this morning. Um, so I'm going to read Matthew 6.13. I've been really focusing on uh, this prayer uh, of you know, what we call the Lord's Prayer, which we realized that that prayer was given to people who were not yet in the New Covenant. But, you know, we understand that it can really help us today. It's, in other words, it's not just an Old Covenant prayer. It's a prayer that God really wants us to take and bring into the New Covenant, but put New Covenant thoughts on it. We're not trying to get the kingdom to come, right? The kingdom's already come. But there's more to living in the kingdom. There's more than we've experienced. Uh, And so this verse here, verse 13, it says, Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's so powerful, isn't it? So there are five very powerful words right there. Be in the kingdom, the power, the glory forever, and amen. Those are five words that I believe belong to the church. They belong to God first, but everything that belongs to God. How many people want what God has? That's what I want. My I want what God has. God has something. He has something for us. And so I believe all of these, these, these are all within our reach. These are all part of what the Bible declares our, that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the spiritual realm in Christ. I believe these are, these are aspects of that blessing. It's the kingdom of God. It's the power of God. It's the glory of God. And it's forever. And forever means, this is, this is so important, that word forever. I've really put my heart into forever. Forever doesn't, lots of times we think of forever, we think about tomorrow. We put a time on it. But really forever, it's really both now, both now and forevermore. Forever is now. Right now. And see, that's what this declaration is. That's what this is declaring. This is like a declaration that these things are forevermore. And then amen. Of course, we all know amen. 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 <laughs> Y'all going to have to help me a little bit. Is I bring yourself under what I just said. I bring yourself under. Yours is the kingdom. I bring myself and I come into agreement with it. I allow that to be the thing. I allow that to be the thing in my life. I allow the glory to be the thing in my life. Allow your power to be the thing in my life. Are y'all following this? Uh, so, so I believe these are all part of our inheritance in Christ. That's, that's, I really believe this. Uh, Jesus said it's the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. It's something he wants to do. He's given the kingdom, but he wants us to enter into the kingdom in a more fuller way. Uh, he said, you will receive power, right, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. These are very biblical words. These are very biblical words. And here's another one that's really amazing. And the glory, this is what Jesus said in John 17, 22. And the glory, I think glory is starting to become a theme here. You know, that's kind of important. And the, this is what Jesus said, the glory which you gave me, he's speaking to the Father, John 17, the glory that you gave me, I have given. He's talking about us. I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. That's John 17, 22. And so you see all of these are part of our spiritual inheritance. These are part of what God wants us to walk in today. 
He wants us to walk in the glory. He wants us to walk in the power. And he wants us to walk in the kingdom. Yes or no? I mean, so really what we have to do is really allow the Lord to do that. So how do we practically, how do we practically possess these things? How do we practically how do we practically possess our inheritance in the Lord? How do we really walk in the kingdom? How do we really I'm glad you asked that, right? I mean, have you ever thought about that? I mean, we hear them preachings about it, we agree with that, but but do we get up and walk out of here and nothing changes? Are we are we walking on the in the power of the God in the fullness that we, we can and, and we should be? Are we really walking in the glory of God? And so those are real questions we really need to ask ourselves. Y'all are really making me really nervous. I got to quit looking at you. And I. <laughs> so first of all, I want to tell you, I want to tell you that this is really uh, basic right here, but this is really will help you so much if you'll really grab it. Is there's many uh, things that we can do uh, that the Bible's just so clear on. You know, there's many things uh, that that we could do and we can do if we really want, if we really want the kingdom to be a real part of our life or a real or the power of the glory. And and one and so I've got these. There's I've got three things, and there's many other things, but these are really important to me, and that's why I'm sharing them with you. The first one's prayer. Listen to this, uh, Matthew seven, and this is all in the context of of. Uh, you know, this Sermon on the Mount that include the Lord's Prayer and the Beatitudes and all them wonderful things. This is what Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. That's what he said, ask. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. That's Jesus talking. And then he jumps down here in verse 11, and this is a very profound verse. If you then, being evil, know how to give good, get good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask Him? This is such a vital prayer. How much more? And I think most fathers in this room will do anything for their children, right? You give, you know, you want the best for them. You, you're striving for the best for them, uh, you know, right? And here's this: how much more your Father in heaven will give to him? But he says, those who ask. In other words, he he ties this asking on. And you see, and the reason prayer, and, and here's the way I look at prayer. If you take prayer out of the Bible, throw the Bible in the trash can because it does away with the Bible, really. Because the whole Bible is, a, is about prayer. It's a, the, the Bible's relational. The kingdom of God's relational. Prayer is communication. It's talking to God. Paul said this. This is what Paul the Apostle said in, in Ephesians 16, 18. Prayer, praying always with all prayer and supplication. Have you ever thought about that? And the reason he was saying that is like this is the way that God has designed for us to engage him, to communicate to him and speak to him what we desire. God really wants us to ask for these things. He expects us to ask. And if we will come, really I think prayer is really a, a remarkable a remarkable uh, indicator of true faith in a person's life, right? Because we pray to the one that we're believing in. We pray to the one that we trust that has the answers or has the thing that we're seeking for. And so that's, it's an indicator that, you know, some, anybody can pray a prayer here and there, a fox old prayer or if there's a God. But I'm talking about people who really genuinely speak to God and talk to the Lord is truly a, a, a indication that there's true faith in our heart. There's a trust in our heart that God hears us and wants to answer our prayers. Are y'all following this? Yeah. And so I think that's one of the really uh, important things. It says He gives good gifts to those who seek Him, who the, those who ask. And it's because if, if we value, it's like God is inviting us to begin to value what he values. Value, he's saying, value what I have. Value what's important to me over what the world has to offer you. 
That's, a lot of that speaks to me there is, is I'm going to value what God values and I'm going to ask God for it. I'm going to ask God to bring it. God values the kingdom. God values power. Don't let anybody fool you. God is into power. He's big time into power. Power is this. Power is God's ability to enforce the kingdom of heaven, to bring his kingdom and his will into the earth. So he highly values because his kingdom is everything. His kingdom is what gives us all these beautiful things that we have. And so God's into that. God's into glory. He wants us into all these things. And so if we begin to ask him, I believe he'll answer. The other thing that I think is really important about receiving these, the kingdom and the power and the glory is generosity. Uh, listen to what Matthew 10, 8 says. It's, Jesus was sending out his, I think, the 70 there. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received Freely give. Freely you have. So here's what this says. In the kingdom of God, you get to keep what you give away. He's talking about a generosity. He's talking about I'm giving you something. And the way you're going to have that, the way that's going to continue to flow in your life is continue to giving it away. Generosity is like the currency of heaven. It's how the economy of heaven flows. It's how it works. And when we stop being generous, the kingdom is cut off. The kingdom is no longer going to work. You're, you become like a, a, a self-person. You become self-focused, self-life. Everything's about you and, and what you. We become hoarders. We start gripping everything tightly, and then everything starts drying up in you. And so the Lord really wants us to be generous. Uh, we'll never fully walk in our inheritance if we're not generous people. Never. We, it just won't happen. Uh, and really, generosity is an expression of the love of God. It really is because God is love, and He's given us His love. He, you know, we love him because he first loved us. And so as we begin to release that love back out, there can be more of a flow of love in our life. And actually, if you look at the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, generosity is a fruit of the Spirit. It's something the Holy Spirit does in a person because the Holy Spirit's generous. Okay? And, and lots of times we quench him, we, we hinder him from having full expression in our life because we're not willing to be generous. And I am not talking about just money right now. I'm talking about anything that God has given you. If it's a revelation or if it's a gift or if it's a talent or a skill, whatever it is, God wants that thing to flow in the earth. And so generosity is really a vital thing for us having everything that God has for us. It's, it's just absolutely vital. You're not going to have everything God has for you. Your prayers will be hindered if you're not generous. Now, I'm just being honest with you. you if you want God a breakthrough in your finances, you need to become a financially generous person. Listen, y'all, that's what the Bible teaches. It's not just what some preacher teaches. It's not the church trying to get money from people. It's the truth of the Scripture. And we've got to face the truth. We can't be ashamed of the truth. We've got to, we've got to go after those things full head on. And I'm not trying to get money today because we've already taken up the offering. Okay? But I am trying to get us to see that we need to become more and more generous people and allow a flow in our life. And not just money, but everything. Anything that God has given you, give it away. Bless him. If God has given you children, find somebody who don't have one and pray for them that they can that want babies to have babies. Right? I mean, have you ever been a, around a woman who wants a child who can't have them? They that's a difficult thing for a woman. I believe me, I lived, my daughter was one of those women at one point. It was one of the most crushing things that she ever went through. And believe me, I got bite marks all over me when I tried to give her some little, you know, answer, you know, like trust the Lord, like I'll trust you, you know. <laughs> I, think, I think we can be generous to people, you know, in every situation in life. We can be generous with love. We can be generous with grace. Quit being so opinionated about everything, y'all. And, and demanding your opinion. Let's be generous with people. Have you ever been around somebody who's really strongly opinionated about some issue? And it's like, I don't really want to talk about that. And they, you keep trying to change the subject, and they keep going back to that, like, okay, let me out of here. You know? It really hinders the flow of relationship. You know? 
It really does. Am I talking to anybody? <laughs> you know. I'll tell you what, you take away generosity, we take away the Bible. Because God is generous. That is the very nature of who he is. You know, so I believe that's really important right now. I believe prayer is really important. The other thing is serving. Oh, I know uh, G, this is uh, Matthew twenty twenty eight. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. That's what Jesus said. I came to serve. Paul the Apostle, in not all of his letters, for sure, not all of them, but some of his letters, he identified himself as a servant. He didn't identify himself as an apostle. He said, I'm a servant. I'm called to be apostle, but I'm a servant. He identified that to people who he believed needed to hear a message that Jesus gave at the Last Supper when he washed the disciples' feet and said, as, as I've done, you must do. We're not talking about our identity. We're talking about an assignment. Do y'all get that? We're not talking about identity as servants. Listen, there's a big difference between your identity and who you are and the assignment that God gives you. God has assigned us all to serve because He's a servant. He has assigned us an identity as a servant. He's assigned us an appointment to go and serve. There's a Bible school somewhere back in the day that I read about when they graduated, they handed out towels to the graduates. Towels. Because they were saying to them, listen, pal, you're going to go serve. You're going to go wash people's feet. Okay, this is what you're going to do. And that's really what God's called us all to do. I was telling Becky recently, um, you know, after we did Bobby Coggins as a memorial, I actually did his wife's memorial 26 years ago. I've done a lot of those things. And I think, well, I never dreamed I'd be doing that as a pastor. When I, had a, when I felt called to be a pastor, you know what I was thinking? I was saying, I'm going to spend a lot of time with the Lord. I'm going to be in the Bible all the time. I'm going to talk to people about the Bible. You know, that's what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to pray for people to get well. They're going to, I'm going to heal people. That was my whole vision of ministry, just that. I didn't realize I was going to be doing some of the things I was doing, going to do. I didn't realize. I didn't see it. I didn't see that, you know, we're called to minister to people from what I call cradle to grave all the way to the end and help them come to the end of their life and help honor their lives. You know, listen, none of the, a lot of that stuff is no fun, okay? It's not any fun. Serving is difficult. It's not like some glorious thing. But I'll tell you something, the glory of the Lord will come on you in the midst of serving. I really want to encourage you, if you're not serving, you're self-centered. You need to break that self-centeredness and stop serving yourself and find a way. I'm not talking about serving in the church. I'm talking about serving in God's kingdom, how God would speak to your heart to serve. I mean, I'm not getting no amens on this. But I'm telling you, it's the truth, y'all. I'm telling you, it's the truth. You know, I'm not lying to you. And I'm not trying to get you to do anything in the church here, okay? I don't want to try to get people to do it. I want people to do stuff that's in their heart to do, you know? And then they do it like, yeah, help t- we can help you do it. But we ain't trying to beg people to do anything. In fact, I ain't doing that. You're waiting on me to ask you to do something. You'll be waiting until I have to bury you. <laughs> I told Becky recently, you know what's going to happen to me, Becky? I'm going to eventually stop being the pastor of this church and people are going to still want me to do their funerals because they knew me as their pastor. I'll be stuck doing funerals the rest of my life. That's it. <laughs> well, I went to a funeral one time. It was my, actually my uncle's funeral. I, I just need to tell you this. And uh, So my, my uncle lived over near Midland and, you know, that area. And, and I went to the church and it was... Uh, it was a denominational church, and it had a new pastor. He was younger, and he was very, uh, he was cool, man. I mean, he was on top of his game. He was really a slick communicator. And I thought, this guy will never stay here. He's on the way up. You know, he's moving up, and this is a stepping stone for him. Uh, and he, you know, gave up, got up, and did what he did. But he, they had the old guy there. The old pastor was sitting over there in the corner. And then they invited the old pastor to come up. And I thought, oh, my gosh, thank you for the wisdom that is starting to come forth from this old guy who wasn't so slick and wasn't so polished, but he carried something from the Lord. 
you know, that hopefully one day the young guy would, would carry. I just don't, never mind. <laughs> okay, I'm going to move on from that. Yeah. <laughs> Not yet, I'm, you know, I'm a couple years older than I was. But I'll tell you those three things. Uh, if, if you really want to dial in more to, to your, in, your spiritual inheritance, if you really want to begin to walk in it more, prayer is key, okay? Generosity is key, and serving is key. Now, there's other things, obviously, in the Scripture, but those three things, you go throughout pretty much the entire Bible, and you'll see those, those things repeated over and over it's like God has already told us what we need to do. Lots of times we're looking for God to tell us what to do, and he's already told us, do these things, and, these, and you'll begin to really tap in to heaven in a greater way. Okay? Yeah, I, I mean, it is really good. Okay, the other thing I wanted to, to just briefly mention, <laughs> don't you love that? I'm going to finish. Yes. Um is this thing about uh, yours is the kingdom, that it really is because it's God's kingdom and because God the Father has invited in us into his kingdom. It's a declaration of belonging. It, it, it literally is a declaration that we belong into the kingdom. I want to read this little story here in Matthew 4, 8 through 11. This is when Jesus was in the desert being tempted by the devil, Okay. Uh, and this is the last temptation of the devil. It says, again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. All the kingdoms of, that's important, all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. See, there's a kingdom of the world, there's a glory of the world, and there's a kingdom of heaven, there's a glory of heaven. Okay, they're different. There's light and darkness, there's a contrast. And if you go, if you think about it, you know, Jesus you know, in this Lord's Prayer, deliver us, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. And the very next word for yours is the kingdom. There's a contrast that God is trying to show. And we're living in a day of contrast. Here's, here's something, y'all. Here's some of the problems we have. There's division over politics. There's division over the, the pandemic. Okay, the, and that's counterfeit because there should be a division between light and darkness. That's the real division that the church has to tap into. And we're tapping into a counterfeit division. Okay, we've tapped into something that's counterfeit and it's creating division. The devil says, the Bible says, you know, a house divided can't stand. The devil read that verse. Okay, and so what he wants to do is divide Christians over opinions, okay, about situations that we really don't know, most of us. Some people do. Some people know more than others. You know, I'm not one of them. Therefore, I understand my opinion is simply another opinion and doesn't matter that much. But we've allowed division over that. The division is the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. That's what we had to come and see. There's becoming a contrast. And we, and we get to decide what, what side of the aisle we're going to float on, that we're going to go on. We're going to be in the kingdom of heaven. And if there's going to be a division, it's going to be against the kingdom of darkness. Not the people, but the kingdom of darkness, the power of darkness, the glory. Did I say that okay? So he showed them all that, and the devil said to Jesus, all these things I will give you. The devil has a lease, so to speak. That's the best way I can He had a lease that was given to him in the garden on the world and the kingdom. That that lease was broken, but he's still trying to execute that lease. And the way he executes it, the way he allowed that lease works is, is in the hearts of men. It's when men cooperate with him then he is able to extend his lease over those people and what they do. Does that make sense? He doesn't own, the, he doesn't own any of it. This, that's what's important. The devil does not own nothing. He does not own it, but he has convinced people, I will give you, Jesus, all of this. And Jesus sitting there like, yeah, right. He wasn't saying it that much. Yeah, right, you ain't giving me jack, pal, because I know who really owns it. 
I know who really owns it. I know who really has the power and authority. And Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Listen to what it says next. Then the devil left him. Isn't that powerful? The devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. The devil will leave us when we begin to see what, where the real authority is, where the real power is, where the, who, who's really in charge. In other words, when we begin to own the kingdom for ourselves. See, Jesus was owning the kingdom. That's, that's what I want you to hear. He was owning it. It was his kingdom. He was a part of this kingdom. His daddy had that kingdom. His daddy was in charge of that kingdom. And because he was a son, he, was, he inherited that kingdom. And when we begin to believe that, when we begin to really know that and begin to walk in that, guess what happens to the devil? He leaves us. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? That, that wasn't put in there for nothing. When, the, when we really, I'm not talking about when we have some head or we're just trying to parrot something. I'm talking about when there's a reality in our hearts that God has placed us into the kingdom and we, have pers- we begin to have personal ownership of that kingdom and that we begin to know our authority that we have in Christ. What does Ephesians say? Is that, we have, that Christ has been set far above all principalities and powers, both things on heaven and things on earth. And then the next thing it says, and we have been seated with him. That's what it says in Ephesians. Ephesians, part of Paul's prayer. Ephesians chapter 1 and in chapter, into chapter 2. And we have been seated with him at the place of the greatest authority and the greatest rule. And so when the devil comes to us, when we begin to have that reality that no, you can't give me nothing, devil. You can't add anything to me. In fact, the Bible says at the end, all the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of God. In other words, they're gonna, it's going to happen. And the devil didn't want to go there with Jesus, so he took off. And if, when we begin to know this and believe this, the devil will take off out of your life. You know, that's one of our greatest abilities to combat the enemy. Is knowing what we have, knowing our true authority, knowing who we really are in Christ. I'm not talking about some, you know, we're going to run around like jack legs. We're going to dominate everything and everybody because it's not about dominating other people. It's about dominating the devil. We don't have authority over other people. We have authority over the devil. God didn't give us authority over people. You go back and read the creation story. He wasn't saying subdue people. He was saying subdue this world. Bring this world into subjection of God. Are y'all following that? Well, let me just give you one last little scripture, okay? Would that be all right? You know, I think, uh, so let me just say this. This is important because, you know, you can take anything and take it into a place that God doesn't want it, right? You can take any truth in the Bible and take it into a bad place. I've always said this. We're always trying to bring things to a logical conclusion. Many things are meant, not meant to be brought to a logical conclusion. And when you try to do that, you're in your brain, in your mind, and you, you're going to miss what the Spirit is saying. So God wants us to own the kingdom. He wants us to learn how to have authority. And we begin with ourselves. But that does not ex- exclude other people having influence, okay, and helping us, okay, in our life. We're not saying we exclude everybody else and just me and God. We're not, obviously not saying that. We're saying, but we're saying there comes a point for all of us where we have to begin. And here's, here's where all this own the kingdom begins. It begins with me. You, you begin with yourself, you don't begin, you know, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to wipe out sickness. And You have to begin in your own heart with the situations in your own heart and let the kingdom come forth inside of you, okay? And you begin to learn how to take your own authority over you. And then you branch out from there into your home, into your situation where you begin to speak things. But that doesn't mean we never... doesn't. We'll never need, not need other people like praying for us and bringing an anointing for us and, and adding to us. Did I make that clear? Because some people are just crazy. They just get the weirdest ideals about stuff. I wanted to read this last couple of verses. Um, I hope this is coming across right. I mean, because uh, this is so important right now, y'all. This really is. 
we, we really have to shift some things. And the shift starts with us. So this is, I'm reading this because this was an experience I had about what I'm, I'm sharing with you. And this is a very famous scripture. And I love this scripture because I experienced this scripture in a real way. You know, it was when Jesus cursed the fig tree. And, and there's a lot that I'm not going to say about that because I don't have time. But I'm going to say the main thing. And they saw it and they were like, wow, the fig tree you cursed yesterday's dead. I mean, they were in awe of this. And he answered and said to them, have faith in God or literally have faith of God. It was an invitation to have that literal faith of God, which everybody in this room, if you're born again, you have the faith of God. Where did faith come from? It came from God. It's his faith. He gave you faith or you wouldn't even be saved. You can't be saved without his faith, you know? And so we all have that. That was an invitation to those people at that moment. We, I don't even know if we've accepted that invitation. We're trying to, you know, have something on our own sometimes. He said, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain. That's important, y'all. How faith works, faith is released through words is what Jesus was saying. Notice that Jesus spoke a lot of times to things. Like he spoke to the tree. He spoke to a storm. He spoke to sickness. He spoke to demons. He released his faith out of him. That's how it came. And so all that's been twisted and perverted by people who've taken it too far. But I'll tell you something. The Bible teaches faith is released through our words and through our mouth. And that's the truth of regardless of how anybody's perverted it. Somebody could go out there and kill people on the road and we could discount automobiles over because they can be killers. We don't do that. We're like, well, hey... We need to get rid of people who don't drive, you know, appropriately. Okay. Be, says this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea. And does not doubt, listen, listen to me, y'all, does not doubt where? In his heart. Listen, you can doubt in your head and have faith in your heart. And, don't, and I'm going to tell you, if you don't believe that, you're a fool of it. Because every one of us battle doubt. The, the choice is, are you going to ha- allow, allow your heart, your inner man, you're going to allow that to rule, or you're going to allow your little doubtful brain to rule? That's the difference. So don't feel bad if you have doubt. Okay? This is what Jesus said in Matthew 14. This is what he said to Peter. Remember old Peter? Like, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come out, you know, when he walked on the water. And he walked out. And then he said, looked around, saw the waves and the wind, and he began to seek. And Jesus said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? In other words, what he was saying to him is you had the faith to do this, but you let your mind take over. And you let that doubt that's in all, all these human beings' brains. We all suffer with doubt. Every day of the week, have you ever laid hands on somebody to see them healed and, you have the, and your brain saying, God ain't going to heal them? But what do you choose? You choose to believe something in here. Because there's somebody in here that says something else. And we've got to begin to listen to that person in there. And let him have the way. You know, let go of your daggone head. We sang it. Give him your heart. Let go of your head. And that's what Jesus was talking about there. So I want to encourage you. I don't exalt doubt. But I do accept the fact that doubt's a part of this world we live in. But I am not going to let doubt take a root in my heart. In fact, I'm looking for that thing. Oh, have you just ever heard a song or you heard somebody say something or where you felt it in your belly? I, I, that's what I'm looking for. Oh, yay, I feel that down here. I'm feeling it in my belly. You know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit in you. It's what the Bible says, deep calling to deep. Oh, the deep in you heard some deep that came out there and it's, and it's resonating inside of you. That's what I'm listening for. That's what I'm looking for, you know? And we can have that because that's what he does. But I'll tell you something. If you wait till your brain is completely cleared out, you'll never do anything. You will never do anything in your life. You will sit there forever hoping something will change. And really what you've done is you've hindered the renewal of your mind. You've hindered God from renewing your mind according to the image of Christ. And Christ doesn't carry doubt. Anyways, let me finish this. Are you 
Not, no, Becky's not in here, but she'll find out and she'll be mad. He does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Okay, so here's what happened to me. This is why I know this scripture is really true for all of us all the time. So a few years ago, um, I really did something really stupid. I decided I'm going to up my running game, okay? And I'm going to start doing, you know, I was running for years, years and years. But I decided I'm going to start sprinting, right? I'm going to sprint and then jog. Sprint, I was going to change the way I did it because I've read that's a great way to do it. Well, you know, here's what happened to me. I started sprinting. And about, you know, I'd do cycles of it. I'd sprint a while, you know, as far as I could go. And then I'd just, I would start winding down. And then about the third cycle, this is the first time out, okay? All of a sudden, I felt this pain right down through here. You know what I did? Oh, I'm going to press through this. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, you know, that's just, you know, that's the devil trying to stop me, you know. Whatever I thought at that moment, but it was just stupid, whatever I was thinking. So I thought I was going to press. I pressed through a little bit. But one time I got home, I was seriously limping. And there's this thing called an IT band that runs down your leg here. You know, I think it ends down in here. But I, I apparently pulled that IT band really bad or sprained it. And, and for literally for months, I had to be real careful about how I walked. You know, because I'd wake up every morning. I could, it just hurt. It just hurt. Every step I took, it hurt. I'd take... I would take ibuprofen. I was asking the Lord to heal me and, you know, just all this stuff. And, I mean, I almost had to quit playing golf over it because, you know, in golf, part of, your, part of your golf swing is you shift your weight. And I would shift my weight there, and he was like, ah. So I had to do a modified, you know, golf swing where I really, it was not going well, you know. And so I'm talking, this went on and on and on and on and on and on. And then one night I had this dream. Becky and I went down to the beach. It was in the wintertime. And so I had this dream. We were in this hotel or, or, yeah, some kind of, you know, thing. One of those high-rises. There's nobody at the beach, right, in the winter. So you can go there and get a high-rise real cheap. And you just sit out and look and hang out with each other and go out to eat. And so, but I was having that problem. So I had this dream. And in the dream, God came to me and said, I'm solving problems, Okay. And I saw all these problems, and I had a few problems in my life like we all do, and I saw in the dream him solve them. And then he solved my, he healed me in the dream, okay? I was 100% healed. In the dream, I started running again. So I wake up from the dream, and I'm thinking, oh, praise God, I am healed. I am flat healed. I jump out of the bed and land with all my weight on both of my legs. And when I did, this pain shot up. And I fell back into the bed thinking, Lord, what in the world is going on here? I know that dream was from you. I know you healed me. And as I, and so tell me what the heck's happened. And as I was laying there thinking, these scriptures came to my mind. And I, I knew the Lord was saying this to me. I want you, I expect you to participate in what I'm doing. And you need to learn how to do it. So start with yourself. Start speaking to that. That's what he told me to do. That's what he told me. He said, you start speaking to that. I've already spoken to it, but you need to speak to it. So I began to speak to it. The Lord's healed this leg. You're healed. Why are you still hurting? Okay. It didn't, you know, that didn't happen immediately. Okay. I didn't get healed that moment. I, did, I woke up the next morning, ginger. I didn't jump no more. <laughs> I didn't jump. But after a few days, I woke up one morning and without realizing that I had no pain. Period. No pain. Now, here's the dumb thing. And God healed it in the dream. I was healed. He just was asking me to take authority to use what he had given me. Okay, to use what he gave me. Now, here's the dumb thing at the time. See, I was just dumb. I was just so focused on the healing thing, which obviously is very important, right? And by the way, those other problems he showed me, he solved every one of those problems. They all got solved, but they all got solved the same way because I had to get involved to bring a wisdom into those problems. But he, they were solved. They were things worked out. 
you know, the way they should have. But what he showed me was this. I mean, what he was trying to show me then, he was trying to show me what I'm talking to you about right now, is that we have to own the kingdom. It wasn't just about a healing, as beautiful as that is. And that had my focus, you know, because I want to be in, I want to be involved in healing. That's one of my dreams is to be involved in healing. And so I had it all on healing and trying to you know, calculate this theology on healing. But really, the, the whole thing was this, is knowing the authority that we have as believers and really knowing it. Really knowing it and really participating with the Lord, okay, and using what He's giving you in a proper, godly way. That's what he was trying to teach me. I just, did, I just wasn't getting it back then because I was so, so hung up on what I thought. See, God really does want us to own his kingdom and to say, my daddy is the king. My daddy owns the kingdom. I'm one of his sons. And he has delegated to me authority in his kingdom. In fact, he's put me in the place of authority. He wants me to learn how to use it and learn how to use it properly and, and like I said earlier, he wants me to learn with myself first. Because I believe if I learn with myself, I can learn how to begin to help other people with their, with their problems. Help other people with what's going on in their life by, by uh, you know, helping them understand that they can, can walk in this authority because they're believers. It's the problem we've had in the church. We have people who have a lot of authority and we th- think that they're our answer. Okay, well, they are part of the answer. Can I just tell you this one little last story I heard? Uh, this is a story from history. You ever heard of William, William Branham? You know, William Branham, this guy walked in this amazing miracles, but he kind of got messed up at the end of his life. He did get messed up at the end of his life, but, but <clears throat> this is a story that Kenneth, Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen told. Uh, Kenneth E. Hagen, back in the 40s, 50s, 60s and there was a well, from 48 to 58 there was a healing revival that happened to in America and as Kenneth E. Hagin said it was just slam easy to get people healed there were people who laid hands on blind people well, let me just tell you this y'all y'all it's worth a th- two or three more minutes there was this one woman who did evangelistic meetings she didn't pray for the sick she was a person who knew how to get people saved so she'd get a bunch of unsaved people together and get them saved Okay, well, she heard that God was healing people, so she decided she was going to try the healing thing. So she told them, hey, Friday night we're going to do a healing service, bring sick people. I'm going to give a teaching on, on healing, and then we're going to pray for the sick. The very first person that came up was a blind woman. That was the first person that she ever, she was going to lay her hands, and she was thinking, thank you a lot, Lord. <laughs> Why not a headache, you know? Why did you send somebody blind for the first person? She laid her hands on that blind woman, and she was instantly healed. Instantly. But there was an anointing for healing in, in, the, in, in the United States of America, okay? Well, Branham was moving in that. Hagen was moving in that. But one of the things that Branham, Branham and Hagen happened to be wound up in the same place at the same time. And Branham, and Branham would just do night meetings. Hagen would do morning and night. Hagen would teach in the mornings, and at night he would pray for people mainly. Okay, that's how he did it. Well, Branham came over and listened to Hagen's teachings in the morning, and this is what he said. Kenneth, I am going to send some people to you because I have gotten many people healed but they haven't kept their healing. And you are able to teach people how to stay healed by teaching them that they have authority in Christ themselves. You see, that's taking it to the next level. It's one thing to go to somebody who can do a miracle for you. It's another thing when you can walk out that miracle for the rest of your life because you're not depending on the person who did it for you. You're depending on who you are in Christ and who got what God has put in you. And that's where we all have to go. We all have to go. It doesn't mean God was going to ever do away with all those people. I'm not suggesting that. But I am suggesting I think a lot more people would walk in divine healing and divine health and prosperity. All the things that God wants us to have when we begin to learn this thing that we are part of his kingdom. We have authority. We have power. We have what it takes to do what God's called us to do because we belong to him and he belongs to us. It is just as simple as that. Amen? Amen. I'm going to stop. I mean, all righty. Yeah, let's just, I'm going to pray for you. 
Okay? Because this is the truth about all this. This is a process. We have to learn to walk in this. It's not like some instantaneous thing. We need to put our focus there. We need to start saying, I'm going to learn how to walk in the kingdom. I'm going to learn how to walk in the power of God. I'm going to learn how to walk in the glory of God. I'm going to learn. I, that's a focus of my life. I'm going to pursue that. I'm going to ask God for that. And there are going to be fruits because I'm going to learn. In the process of doing that, I'm going to find out some truths that have been right there in front of me my entire life. And I didn't even see them. They're just right there. And so I just want to like pray. Father, just, I just pray that, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand what you're saying, what you've said, what you're saying, and what you're doing and what you've done. I just ask you that for everybody in this room, that we would just, there'd be a shift in us. There'd just be a shift in us, Lord. Lord, shift some things. Shift our hearts, God. Shift our hearts. Lord God, shift our hearts. Shift our hearts. We're not seeing the right thing many times, Lord. Help us to see, Lord. Help us to hear. Help us to understand what the Spirit's doing. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you to do that right now. We just welcome you to do that right now. Just release that. Two things I think we need to do. One is... We need to pray and say, Lord, what are the things that you've promised me or told me you were going to do that didn't come to pass? And then apply what Byron just said to that situation. Ask the Lord to bring that back to you so then you can then participate in that in a way you didn't before. The other thing is Truett Cathy, who started Chick-fil-A, he wrote a book called The Generosity Factor. Write that down. It talks about time, talent, and finances and giving it away. It's exactly what Byron opened up with, the generosity factor, small book. Um, but Luis had a, had a word, right? For, is, is this when you wanted to do it? Okay. He's, he's going to call up one of my favorite people in the church. Yeah. All right. Mario? I've always got? Okay. Um, well, they're getting um, Stephanie. Um, just really feel that the Lord wants to give release some more stuff in the area of um, giftings. So I just want to pray for that. If you want healing to increase in your life, if you want faith, you know, um, if you want generosity to increase, uh, look for opportunities. I remember in, in Argentina, my grandmother used to drag me to the hospital to pray for really sick people. People that were dying. So, come on, son. We're going to go pray for this person. Then we, I found out later on that I shouldn't have been in those places. Because it was very contagious. But I didn't know. I was a kid. And she would tell me stories of healing that after this day have impacted my life. Imagine this. A person be a, being brought to the church in a wheelbarrow. A, a wheelbarrow, sorry. And before they got to the church, my grandmother told me that person touched the wall of the church and they were instantly healed. So, yeah, so let, let that sink in for a moment. Imagine you're in that situation where there is no answer for you, right? There is no more answer and you are being brought into the church. And you, before you get there, you touch the wall of the church. Nobody prayed for you. The Holy Spirit came on you and you are instantly healed, jumped off of the wheelbarrow and off you go. Praising Jesus. That's the kind of story I grew up hearing. I believe Byron released something here about that faith of the size of a master's seed. We need that. To pursue, but you, we have to go after these things. Generosity, serving, serve with service come authority. The more you serve, the more authority is entrusted to you, right? So let's just stand up for a moment. Is she here? All right, let her come here for a moment. Can she come up, up front? I don't want to embarrass her, but at the end, 
uh, when we were praying for words of knowledge and stuff. I mean, I put myself in here like a fool. But I told the Lord, I don't care as long as you do what you want to do. This young lady, I want y'all church to pray for me because she has a very strong anointing for evangelism. And she's very quiet. But the Lord said, I want to use her to take the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I want you guys to stand your hand if you don't mind. Lord, we thank you for her, for the anointing, the rest upon her life. And Lord, we just pray that there will be a release in her generation. And you will use her with fire in her preaching to call her generation to the kingdom of God. Lord, this generation will see the glory of the Lord. Lord, being manifest in miracles and mighty wonders, Lord, that will shake entire communities of people. Lord, people will run to Jesus because they hear how you're moving again, Lord, upon the earth. Use this generation, I pray, that you will anoint her, Lord, to take the gospel to her generation, Lord, with power, with miracles, with signs and wonders. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for Stephanie. Bless her, Lord, in Jesus' name. And, Lord, there will be no shame, no fear, Lord, but it will be full of faith in the name of Jesus. Amen. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. So, Lord, we just pray right now. Just stick your hand. And this week, look for opportunities. Look for opportunities. Pray for people at your job. Pray. Pray until the Lord moves. Don't, don't leave the Lord alone. I got to see a miracle, Jesus. I got to see you heal people. I got to see, see you heal people with the Holy Spirit. Right? I want to see that. I told my boss before she went on vacation, let me pray for you. She was like, okay. I said, let me pray for you so you can rest and the Lord can heal you. So take opportunities. Don't wait until you come to church. Do it. During the week, ask for words of knowledge. So here we go. Lord Jesus, right now, we thank you. Lord, release words of knowledge. Release healing. Release faith. Release generosity. Release service in the church in Jesus' name. Let the Holy Spirit touch each one of us with dreams and visions. Lord, there are people that are hungry for the presence of God. And Lord, we thank you for the preaching today because it was encouraging. It came from your heart. Lord, have the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that this will go with us this week and that we will not weigh or be deterred by the circumstances that we're living in. But that we will take opportunities to take the kingdom to every place. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed.